0: world around him faded into utter and unending darkness. His heart fluttered futilely for a few moments, and then stopped. The blond-haired man stared down at the open-mouthed corpse for a second longer. Then he looked up at the ring of curious bystanders drawn by the commotion. "'Something's wrong with him,' he told them. "'I think he's had some sort of fit. "'Maybe he cracked his head too hard when he fell.' Someone should call a doctor, a stylishly dressed young woman suggested. The blonde man nodded quickly. Yes, you're right. Carefully, he stripped off one of his thick gloves and pulled a cell phone out of the pocket of his overcoat. I'll punch in the emergency number. Within two minutes, a red and white ambulance pulled up to the curb and stopped. Two burly paramedics jumped out of the back, carrying a portable stretcher, followed by a weary-looking young man in a wrinkled white coat and a thin red tie. He carried a heavy black medical bag. The ambulance crew doctor bent over Cariano for a moment. He checked the fallen man's fixed and staring eyes with a small penlight and felt for a pulse. Then he sighed and shook his head. This poor fellow is dead. There's nothing I can do for him now. He looked around the circle of faces. "'Right. Who can tell me what happened here?' The blond haired man shrugged his shoulders expressively. "'It was an accident. We bumped into each other, and he slipped and went down on the ice over there. I tried to help him up, but then he just well, stopped breathing.' The doctor frowned. "'I see, sir. Well, I'm afraid they're going to have to ride along with us to the hospital.' There are forms to fill out, and the militia will want to take an official statement from you. He turned to the rest of the bystanders. What about the rest of you? Did anyone else see anything useful? There was silence from the crowd of bystanders. The young doctor snorted cynically. He motioned to the two paramedics with the stretcher. Load them up. Moving fast, they bundled Kiryanov's body onto the stretcher and slid it into the back of the ambulance. One of the paramedics, the white-coated doctor, and the blonde-haired man climbed in beside the corpse. The second paramedic slammed the door shut and got in beside the driver. With his lights still flashing, the ambulance pulled out into Tsarskaya Street's heavy traffic and headed north. Safe now from prying eyes, the doctor deftly rifled through the dead man's pockets and then under his clothing, checking and then discarding the pathologist's wallet and hospital ID card. There's nothing. The bastard is clean. Take a look inside this, the blonde-haired man suggested dryly, tossing him the package Karyanov had been carrying. The doctor caught it, tore off the wrapping paper, and ripped open the candy box. Manila folders full of documents tumbled out across the corpse. He scanned through them quickly and nodded in satisfaction. These are the photocopied case records from the hospital, every last one of them. He smiled. We can report the success. The blond-haired man frowned. No, I do not think we can. What do you mean? Where are the blood and tissue samples he stole? The doctor stared down at the empty box in his hand. Shit! He looked up in dismay. Kiryanov must have had help. Someone else has the samples. So it seems, the other man agreed. He pulled the phone out of his overcoat again and punched in a pre-coded number. "This is Moscow One. I need an immediate secure relay to Prague One. If you have a problem." February 15th. Prague, Czech Republic. Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan John Smith, MD, paused in the shadowed arch of the ancient Gothic tower at the eastern end of the Charles Bridge. Smith stood quietly for a long moment, carefully scanning the stone span before him. He frowned. He would have preferred a different location for this meeting, one that was busier and had more natural cover. Shivering slightly in the frosty, dank air, Smith zipped up his leather bomber jacket and moved out onto the bridge. He was a tall, trim man in his early forties with smooth, dark hair, piercing blue eyes and high cheekbones. At first his footsteps echoed faintly off the waist-high parapet, but then the sounds faded, swallowed by the fog rising from the river. Smith walked on. Thirty statues of saints lined the Charles Bridge, set in opposing pairs on the massive sandstone piers supporting the long crossing. Those statues were his guides to the rendezvous point. The American reached the middle of the span and stopped, looking up at the calm face of St. John Nepomuk, a Catholic priest tortured to death in 1393. Part of the age-blackened bronze relief depicting the saint's martyrdom gleamed bright, polished clean by countless passers-by touching it for good luck. Smith leaned forward and rubbed his own fingers across the raised figures. "'I did not know that you were a superstitious man, Jonathan.' a quiet, tired-sounding voice said from behind him. Smith turned around. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, Valentin. Dr. Valentin Petrenko came forward to join him, holding a black briefcase gripped tightly in one gloved hand. The Russian medical specialist was several inches shorter than Smith and more solidly built. Sad brown eyes blinked nervously behind a pair of thick glasses perched on his nose. Thank you for agreeing to meet me here, away from the conference, I mean. I realize this is not convenient for you. Don't worry about it. Believe me, this beat spending another several hours rehashing Kozlik's latest paper on typhoid and hepatitis A epidemics and lower IM-sodamelastastan. A look of amusement flickered in Petrenko's wary eyes. Dr. Kozlik is not the most scintillating speaker, he agreed, but his theories are basically sound. Smith nodded, waiting patiently for the other man to explain why he'd been so insistent on this surreptitious rendezvous. He and Petrenko were in Prague for a major international conference on emerging infectious diseases in Eastern Europe and Russia. Deadly illnesses, long thought under control in the developed world, were spreading like wildfire through parts of what had once been the Soviet Empire, breeding in public health and sanitation systems ruined by decades of neglect. Both men were deeply involved in confronting this growing health crisis. Among other things, John Smith was a skilled molecular biologist assigned to the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases, called U.S. Amrid, at Fort Detrick, Maryland. And Petrenko was a highly regarded expert in rare illnesses attached to the staff of Moscow's Central Clinical Hospital. For several years, the two men had known each other professionally and had developed a respect for each other's abilities and discretion. So when a plainly troubled Petrenko pulled him aside earlier in the day to request a private conversation outside the confines of the conference, Smith had agreed without hesitation. "'I need your help, John,' the Russian said at last. "'I have urgent information that must reach competent medical authorities in the West.' "'Information about what?' The outbreak of a disease in Moscow. A new disease, something I've never seen before. Something I fear. Go on. I saw the first case two months ago, Petrenka told him. A small child, a little boy who was just seven years old. He came in suffering aches and pains and a persistent high fever. In the beginning, his doctors thought it was only a common flu. But then, quite suddenly, his condition worsened. His hair began falling out. Terrible, bleeding sores and painful rashes spread across most of his body. He became severely anemic. In the end, whole systems, his liver, kidneys, and ultimately his heart, simply shut down. Jesus, Smith murmured. He frowned. Those symptoms sound an awful lot like high-level radiation poisoning, Valentine. Petrenko nodded. Yes, that is what we first thought though we could not find any evidence that the boy had ever been exposed to any radioactive material. "'Was the kid infectious?' Smith asked. "'No,' the Russian said. "'No one else around him became ill, not his parents or his friends or any of those who treated him. "'None of our tests turned up signs of a dangerous viral or bacterial infection, "'and every toxicology exam came back negative.' We could not detect any traces of poisons or harmful chemicals that might have done so much damage. Smith whistled softly. Very nasty. It was terrible, Petrenko agreed. Then others began showing up at the hospital, suffering the same horrible symptoms. First, an old man, a former communist party apparatchik.